Welcome to Chapter 2 of Health System CIO's interview with Dr. Zafar Chaudhry, CIO at Seattle Children's. In this segment, Dr. Chaudhry talks about what he believes is the key to success with major initiatives, the critical step organizations can take to reduce what he calls technology debt, and the enormous pressure CIOs face to match the digital experience that users get at home. The following Health System CIO podcast is brought to you by LK, a nationwide leader in healthcare connectivity. Decommission your legacy systems with LK Archive. All systems, all data, one consolidated solution. Retain 100% of your legacy data at 20% of the cost with LK Archive. For more information, visit lk.com. That's E-L-L-K-A-Y dot com. And it seems you're in an interesting position because there is already familiarity with Epic. So I imagine that that will have some impact on how, how the schedule will, will uh, come together. Yeah, I think what's quite interesting is, is when we talked to the clinical community that we have, and this decision was purely driven by the clinical community, most folks, I mean, if you look at the data, 70 to 80% of the medical students that we're training now have already touched EPIC in some way, shape, or form in their mm -hmm. training. And mm -hmm. as we bring in residents and super smart doctors are coming here from different parts of the country, most of them tell me that, yeah, I've used this system before in a previous life or a previous job. And so that will help with the training components and also help with familiarity to the system. The challenge mm -hmm. for us will be we can't continue to do things the same way that we do them now. My focus for my community at Children's is to say, this is a great opportunity because we've had the Cerner system in for almost 15 years and it's a great opportunity now for the clinical community to say, let's just take a look at how we do things and this would be an opportunity to try and change some of those workflows. And so the focus for me is, this is the biggest transformation program that this organization has undertaken in a really, really long time. So people are energized because they feel like, well, wow, maybe I don't have to take 17 steps to take care of a patient. Maybe I can do it in seven steps. And, and that's where I want the focus to be for this project. So as I'm evangelizing this with all the clinical communities, I'm still minimizing the fact that this is all about technology. I've had a huge focus here and support from the CEO and COO to say this is an operationally-led project. It's not an IT-led project. But it, it's easier for me to evangelize this because from a background perspective, I, you know, I started my journey as a physician. So talking to right. clinical groups does make it a lot easier if you focus on how it's going to impact them versus here's another cool piece of tech that you can have in your hand but might not be really useful for what you want to do. Right. Right. And with something like this, even though the decision was clinician-driven, it is going to certainly present some challenges or at least take time to adjust to different workflows. So is that something where you're able to draw from your experience as a clinician to kind of set realistic expectations? Yeah, I think a lot of the success in a program like this is how you communicate out to the various mm -hmm. stakeholder groups. So I've been taking a lot of time. Me, my associate CIO, who's also actually a physician and a pediatrician, and my chief medical information officer, we've sort of been 
working together to hit all the committees and all the big groups that meet together, be it nursing, be it physicians, to evangelize what we're trying to achieve. The program itself has executive sponsors, so I am one of them, but actually my co-executive sponsor is the chief clinical officer, and her responsibility is all of the clinical staff uh, here at Children's. So it's very much focused on how do we get people engaged and how do we keep giving them a consistent message. Uh, Of course, as with any change, there's a level of fear because people are used to doing one thing and then we're trying to redirect their focus. But there's a lot of energy as well to say this will be great for our patients. And, of course, you would expect physicians and nurses to focus on that too. So that's the type of messaging I'm working on uh, with colleagues to try and get them excited about the project and keep them energized. So there isn't a lot of talk about these are the tools you'll get. It's more about how are we going to change that experience for the patient and how are we going to make the lives of our clinicians more streamlined and easier, right? Because entering data at the bedside or having a one-on-one relationship with a mobile device when using a tool like Epic is very different than seeing a patient, typing in information, or standing uh, in your office, sitting in your office and having to dictate all these notes. It changes that whole persona of how you interact with the patient. Right. And you mentioned that one of your areas of focus was in bringing IT costs down by 2%. And I, I can imagine that this is not an easy thing to do, but um, how are you approaching that or how have you approached it thus far? So when you, look at, when you look at IT departments in healthcare, most of them are suffering from what I describe as technological debt. So mm-hmm. over the years, you accumulate system after system and we've actually accumulated 642 systems over a period of time. And when you go around and ask clinicians about a system that they may have logged into and say, can we turn that system off? Most will say, oh, you can never turn it off, even though they may not have logged into it for a year. So Mm. what we're doing is taking a look at those application stacks, taking a look at how we deliver what I would call commodity services. So that's anything from end-user computing to data center services to service desk provision. And what I'm finding is that about 65% of my budget, so I have a $115 million OPEX budget, and 65% of that is spent on what I would call commodity services, things that people don't care about when they're clinicians but do expect to function whilst doing their job, right? So the reality of life Mm. today, I want my laptop to work, but I don't really care about my laptop. What I care about is my job. And so how we're going to affect the change in cost is take a look at that application stack and how we deliver those applications and say, well, actually, can we start turning applications and retiring them? There's a lot of legacy there. Can we retire them? Can we turn them off? I, I very easily can see that 20 to 30% of those applications over a period of time will go away. We will archive the data, of course, because we have to keep it. But at the same time, we don't need to pay the maintenance. We don't need to run data centers running those applications. And that will start to reduce our cost. And we've got to shift this 65% spend down to probably about 50% and take the, the savings, give some back to the organization, 
and start investing more in some of that innovation. Because I do have a digital health group and I do have a strong analytics group and they're playing in everything else that people are playing in. So they're doing predictive Mm. analytics. We've got a strong telemedicine program that's spinning up. We've hired a whole bunch of data scientists to do AI algorithms to take a look at the data and see if whether the data can be more accurate, whether we can make more data-driven decision-making. So it's about shifting some of that money while saving that money. And we feel we would affect that by attacking those areas that I know the docs don't care about, but do expect to work. And the challenge we've got is the experience at home now is better than the experience in the enterprise. You know, 10 or 15 years ago, at home, you'd get a dial-up connection and you'd come to work and the connection would be a lot better and you could consume storage and applications much faster. Now what you've got is you've got smart physicians and nurses who have big clouds of data at home, have massive bandwidth into the internet, can easily commission server or application with the swipe of a credit card. And then they come to the enterprise and we give them monolithic systems and make it difficult for them to consume things. So it's Mm -hmm. it's about shifting that model and providing more self-service, right? Because that's what people are used to. You You don't have to train anyone to use their Apple iPhone. They're able to consume an application and they're able to download an update and they're able to use their device. So why can't we have the same model in our enterprise where they can consume what they want and therefore I need less people and less focus on that because I'm using the skills that people already have. Right. It makes a lot of sense. It reminds me in some ways of of some of the lean philosophies where these aren't terribly radical ideas, but it's a matter of incorporating them into, into your strategy, into the way that you do things as an organization. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the analogy I always use with my team is all we really need to do is apply some common sense, but common sense typically isn't common in healthcare. So (laughs) if we just did that, we'd make life easy for most people. Right. Right. Sure. Now, um, as you had said before, you've been with the organization about 18 months, and um, previously you were with uh, Cambridge University Hospitals. And that, as I understand, is also a pretty large system. So can you talk about what it was like working in that type of environment and what were some of the really uh, key takeaways you had from that role? So what, what's quite interesting, I've, in my career, I've jumped around the world, really, probably worked in 20 different healthcare systems in my career. And what I found is the differences between working in what you would call a predominantly publicly funded health system versus mm-hmm. the sort of hybrid mix we have. So children's is about 50% funded by Medicaid and 50% by commercial insurers. So we're sort of a hybrid. Is the publicly funded healthcare model, wherever it is in the world, be it in the UK or even in Australia where I've worked, what you tend to find is the focus is always on efficiency, productivity, whilst keeping an eye on quality. And where they sort of impact that better than the United States is on what you would call back office function. So their, mm-hmm. their finance function, their HR function, and their IT function is much, much leaner in how it operates. And when you look at revenues of an organization, the UK government tries to focus a maximum spend of about 11% of all of those services of revenue. 
Whereas if you look at just IT alone, here in IT, we're at 8% of our revenue just for IT. So when we add the other services together, we're way over that 11% sort of metric. And how they do that is there's a lot of sharing and collaboration of services in those health systems than there is here. So Seattle Children's has a health IT group. The University of Washington has a health IT group. Providence has a health IT group. Group Health has a health IT. These are all health systems surrounding me, and yet we're all duplicating the same functions Mm -hmm. with more people and more cost, when actually we could come together and have some sort of shared service model, and that would Mm -hmm. bring cost down. And so that's what is common in, in the publicly funded health systems. The government encourages more collaboration because they want to spend most of their money on clinical care. And and money always is scarce if the government is paying for all of that care and the patient has zero cost. So that's certainly Mm -hmm. something I've seen as a major difference uh, between the two systems. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.